Well, good morning, folks. I am in a great mood this morning uh, for a couple of reasons, and I'll tell you why. By the way, it's Tuesday, Tuesday, August 11th. Good to be here with you, as always, on this Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm in a good mood today because for the second time in five months, I am getting a haircut, and oh, how needed it is. And not only am I getting a haircut, I'm getting a haircut with my actual barber, with the dude who's been cutting my hair for the last two years, dear old Saint Nick. I can't wait to see him, even though I can't give him a hug. Uh, because of social distancing protocols, I will want to give him a hug for cutting my hair and making me a little less shaggy than I have been for the last five months. So I'm really happy about that. I'm also uh, in a good mood this morning because of the text that I get to look at here with you today. Isaiah chapter 56. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8. Now, uh, if you've been with me the last number of Tuesdays, basically I've taken the Old Testament lectionary texts. You know, every week in the lectionary, there's four basically assigned texts. There's one from the Old Testament, one uh, psalm, uh, one epistle and then uh, the gospel reading and typically uh, what is preached on in I'd say most churches that follow the lectionary is the gospel text uh, and then the other texts are brought in and read during the service as sort of usually they're tied into the gospel text there's a connection somewhere between all of the texts that have been chosen and that is certainly the case with this text from Isaiah this morning uh, because the passage in the gospel this week is Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28, which is all about Jesus extending grace and mercy and healing to an outsider, specifically to a Canaanite woman. Well, as we read through today's text, you're going to see that things like that were prophesied long before they took place in the life and ministry of Christ. Give me a sec. I need to take a sip of Joe. All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into Isaiah 56 verses 1 through 8. It reads like this. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness for soon. My salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So, so far, you have God basically issuing uh, a few commands. Keep justice, do righteousness, salvation's coming, and his righteousness will be revealed, and so uh, make sure you hold fast to his commandments, to his Sabbath. Don't profane it. Keep your hand from doing any evil. Well, uh, that indeed is good counsel, and that indeed is what we should do. Uh, the fact is, humanity doesn't do this most of the time. And that includes, yes, that includes Christians. Christians do not live completely and totally righteously. We forget, and we do profane the words of God in our lives because we are simultaneously saint and sinner, as the scriptures will teach throughout all of it. So what does that mean then for the, for the person who's hearing this? I mean, does that mean that this just doesn't apply to anyone? Because if we're honest, no one can say that we've totally kept our hand from doing evil. 
No one can say that we've always done things justly. Well, here's how the New Testament deals with things like this. Where God has commanded that such a thing be done, and we haven't fulfilled it, this is when we are to remember to look to Christ and him doing it on our behalf. Jesus has kept justice and done righteousness. Jesus has never profaned the Sabbath of God and always kept his hand from doing any evil. And by faith in Christ, his people are declared as if they have done it as well. We are seen as righteous in the sight of God because we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so there, very, there is a very real sense here for those who believe that you have actually done these things. Even though you know that day in and day out you don't perfectly at all, because Jesus is your substitute, it is as if you have in the courtroom of heaven. Very, very important to set that up right at the beginning. So with that said, as sort of the qualifications for salvation and fellowship with God, let's continue on with verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now, this is a remarkable passage, and it's remarkable for a couple of reasons. One, it seems, and, it, and we can reconcile it, but it seems that God is going back on his word that he reveals in the law. Here's what I mean. If you go back to Exodus chapter 12, you're going to see there that God prohibits foreigners from taking the Passover meal with his people. If you go back to Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 20-something, but you will see very specific, um, you will see eunuchs forbidden from entering into worship with God's people. It's true. You're, you're going to see that in the Old Testament. Both of those things are forbidden. And yet here, God says, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a way, not just for my wayward people to be saved, I'm going to make a way for the outcast, for the foreigner, for even the eunuch, for the most dishonorable, and for the most disgusting, for the great wretched sinners of any day and any time. I'm going to make a way for them to fellowship with me. Yes, it's true. I mean, the, the foreigner had every reason to go, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. That was the case. And yes, it was true that the eunuch could say, I, I'm just a dry tree. That's an allusion to the fact that, you know, he is not able to, um, to regenerate and to have children. But what does God say? God says, by faith in, in me, by keeping my covenant, which we know is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ, I'm going to make you better than sons and daughters. I'm going to give you an everlasting name, something that a eunuch could never imagine because once his generation was over, his name went with him. Not so in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God makes it so 
that people like eunuchs and foreigners, people like the Canaanite woman found in Matthew 15, which if your pastor follows the lectionary, you'll hear about this weekend. People that have no business being in fellowship with God because of their many sins and because of their many peculiarities, nonetheless, in Jesus Christ, are brought near. Ephesians 2 and 3 deal with all of this, how this is sort of the remarkable thing about the gospel, is that the gospel has found a way to bring outsiders in. The gospel has found a way to equalize the playing field between Jew and Gentile. And so the, the passage continues, verse 6, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servant, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. Again, that's true of anybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. That is, that's a fact. You are seen as that. What does God say he's going to do for you? These I will bring to my holy mountain, the place of great fellowship with God, right in his presence, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. You recognize that last phrase? For my house shall be called a house of prayer? You probably do. It's what Jesus said when he cleared the temple. Now, why is that so important that this verse is quoted at that time? Well, if you remember, um, when Jesus goes into the temple, there is basically, you know, the problem is there's all these money changers and there's all this business going on, you know, for people to buy the animals that they'd sacrifice with and so and so. Well, what we know from history is that those money changers were set up primarily in the courts of the Gentiles, where they were to uh, separately worship God away from the people directly in the temple. This made it very hard for the foreigner to actually fellowship with God's people because all this business and all this racket is going on. On top of that, there was nothing welcoming about the temple to the Gentile. There was a sign actually posted very big right in front of the Gentiles as they're looking into the temple that said, if you pass this line, I'm paraphrasing, certain death will come your way. I mean, imagine going to church, and that's the first thing you see upon walking into the church. Like, hey, if you're from this place or that place, you go any further, we'll kill you. So, I mean, they, they made it very, very unwelcoming. And Jesus sees that, and that's why he quotes this passage. For my house should be called a house of prayer for all peoples. You corrupt religious establishment have excluded people that I am going to bleed and die for. You have excluded people that are made in my image. You think you're superior to them? No. God has made a way through my work and ministry to bring in all people, all the sinners, all the mess, all the rabble. Yes, even you and me. That's what Jesus does. His house is a house of prayer for all peoples. And yes, the word all literally means all. The passage closes. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. And indeed, that is the story still going on today. 
Yes, Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as he says in the passage in Matthew 15 that you'll hear about this weekend. But he goes so much further than that. And part of the reason that he establishes his church is so, so that this message of welcome to everyone, that this message of grace to everyone, this message of forgiveness of sins, one for everyone through Jesus Christ, can indeed be preached to the entire world so that we can say to anyone, no matter where they were born, no matter what caste they may have been born into, no matter what kinds of failures or struggles they've had in their life, that yes, this is for you too. Come into the house of the Lord. It's a place made for you. So quick little devotion here today because we had a quick little passage, but I hope that encourages you. God is still the God who is going after the outsider, and that is good news for you and me as we go into our Tuesday. And pray you have a rich and wonderful day today and look forward to seeing you next Tuesday as we gather together. God bless.